Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Stephen Timoney, for coming on the show today. I'm so, so grateful to have you here. I want to start off with your Twitter bio. As someone that's not much on Twitter, you you captivated me a lot with your Twitter bio. And I think as having 67,000 followers, it makes a whole lot of sense why people come to your page. And I'll, I'll read it off. It goes, on a mission to help millions of people do less dumb shit and fulfill their potential, but mostly helping business owners save at least 10 hours a week. So I want to dive deep into what is your main mission in life? What what pulled you to to get into that being your mission? I, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's funny that, that that stood out for you. But yeah, great to be here. Great to be on your on your pod, man. Thanks for inviting me. I, the the dumb shit is something that's kind of tr- sort of dear to my heart. Yeah, because I did a lot of dumb shit. Uh, you know, we were talking before we jumped on here, and you're, you're 19. When I was 19, I was in nightclubs drinking, partying, and I did that for about a decade until I, no, not quite, maybe a little less than a decade until I was in my mid to late twenties. So I did a lot of dumb shit. And what I found was when I got into my personal development journey, that the whole personal development sort of industry is predicated upon you doing new things, start this habit, start that habit, do this routine, do this system, read this book, do this thing. But what I actually find, and what I actually find with the clients that I know I work with, it's the removal that is actually the, the, the thing that moves you forward. It, it, it's, 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 that's the, that's the actual juice that you want to squeeze out of your life. It's removing the dumb shit. It's removing the self-sabotage. It's removing the things that are slowing you down or actually the things that are going to get you to the next level. I think it was a great quote that says that, uh, I think it's from a guy called Dan Sullivan, who's a high level entrepreneurial coach. Says yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, 80% of what you're doing t- today is holding you back because he's big into the 80, 20 rule and, and a lot of his work. And, and I thought that, that, that quote is, is huge for me because when I even think of that, there's just a part of me that pushes back on that idea. Yeah. 80% of what I'm doing today, hold me back. No way. No, it can't be, it can't be 80%, but yeah, no, 80% of what, 80% of what you're doing today is. The, the, the dumb shit that's actually holding you back mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever that is internally, externally. Yeah. So that, that, that's where that comes from. That's my mission. Um, I want to help people fulfill their potential. I don't want people to waste this miracle that they have. Yeah. Um, I wasted 10 years. I mean, I got a lot of lessons out of it, so it's not a waste, but the way I look at it is I think everybody has layered on too much dumb shit in their lives with, social media, the way our minds are getting warped with the short form content, the, yeah. the culture war, the, the made up culture war, in my opinion, of all this like information where you got two sides, everybody's so polarized. And I think it's just like, we've got to find the signal um, in all the noise. And for me, the signal is removing a lot of dumb shit. So that, that, that's, that's my opening from that first question. <laughs> I, I love that so much because there's a quote from uh, Leonardo da Vinci that says simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Yes. And, I, and, and something that I've seen in my clients too, is that we, I think we overcomplicate things in our mind because we always like to keep our goals like at arm's length away because that makes us stay where we are. And, and yeah. what, what is the most, or do you think there is a, there's like a one commonality between all of your clients that stand out, that stood out the most that has really, I mean, impacted you or something that you've overcame yourself? Uh, I think for me that the, the big one that every single one of my clients falls into is open loops. 
yeah. too many things on. Like even in my own life, that that that's and it kind of goes back to the dumb shit a little bit. But I think successful people, people who are driven, people who are trying to improve. You know, I work with a lot of business owners, so you you've already got to be a certain type of mindset to be that kind of person uh, to take on the full responsibility of, of your income and take on the full responsibility of creating something out of nothing like a lot of business owners do. Mm-hmm. But because we're set up like that, I think we try to then do lots of things. We think that we can do more than what we can. And then that, it goes, I was going to swear, but I'm not going to use the F word there. I was going to say that messes <laughs> you up. I was going to use the F word. That, 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 uh, and, and that actually brings in a lot of procrastination, a lot of overwhelm, a lot of stress to clients because they've got families, they've got businesses, they've got projects and they jump into things with friends and like, oh, that's a great idea. And then they've got all these projects and open loops mentally, emotionally in in their uh, in their life, holding them back. Uh, And typically the first month or so, most of my clients, it's like I've had I've had clients close businesses because of working with me parts of their because they've realized the thing that they're working, they're no longer enjoying it. And it's actually become a negative in their life. And they're like, oh my God, I've been holding on to this like small business with a, fr- with a partner for like years. Yeah. But it's actually the thing that's slowing me down. So um, I'm big into a thing called constraint theory, uh, where it basically says we're the bottleneck. Again, it kind of leans into the dumb shit theory, mm-hmm. but we, we, we are the bottleneck in, in, in our lives. So it, if we're not constantly auditing ourselves mm-hmm. and, and seeing what works for us, that that's the stuff that's slowing us down. So I think that's the one common thread that I see of all my clients. And I've been hyper, hyper aware of that in my own business and almost to the detriment of my own success. I think, I think I haven't jumped into fast, quick stuff. Like I don't do, I am quite large on Twitter, not large. I'm not, I'm not one of the biggest accounts. Uh, I'm in the top 200,000, I think of uh, on social blade when you go on there, yeah. but I've never leaned into Twitter growth. Mm. guides or you know learn how to grow your social media stuff and i just don't feel it's not something i'm inspired to do i know it would be uh, air quoting easy money uh but it's just not something that i'm i I look at it and be like that's an open loop because that's not towards the destination i want to go in my life that's Mm. not that's not where i want to go with my business so why build a bridge in that direction to something that i'm not really that motivated about yes there's a bottom line dollar number that i could add to my monthly recurring revenue but so that that, that that's a quick explanation of what open loops has sort of made me aware of what i do in, in my day to day absolutely i think that like the, it's kind of like the idea that just because we can do something doesn't mean we should right like yes. going back to simplicity of how can we simplify this to make it as easy as possible to to do like like you said 80% of what you do is holding you back from getting to where you want to go but in the yeah. same sense 20% of what you need to do is probably the 20 things 20% that you're avoiding for the most part yeah yeah for True. What, for, in your life and in your clients what is something that whether you've overcame that you feel not only your clients deal with but something that you feel just in general, everyone deals with in the world when it comes to whether it's self-sabotage or procrastination. Good question. Good question. I think it can be quite varied for different people. So I'll, I'll probably go with sort of the personal response, something that I've had to overcome. And I think it's, I think for me, it's, and this is going to sound funny, but it's the hundred percent responsibility because mm-hmm. 
uh, I think that when I worked in corporate and if someone was to sit down to me, sit down with me, sorry, and say, how responsible are you for your life? I would say I'm a hundred percent responsible. Yeah. But I wasn't because I was getting paid by an organization, you know? So my theory and something I've overcome or, or I am growing or expanding into is this idea that our awareness of what a hundred percent responsibility is in our lives keeps getting bigger or, or we, we understand it more. And I think when I first started a business, I struggled uh, and I think I let the emotional side, you know, maybe become a little bit of a victim, you know, got, got upset when things were going my way. You know, you, you write a thread or you, you, you spend weeks doing stuff and then you don't get results and, and, and you get frustrated and angry about it. And then you, you realize that that's actually the wrong way to approach those things because work doesn't equal results. Hard work doesn't always guarantee results. And, and that was a big thing because coming out of corporate, I would do work and every time I would do work, I would get a pat on the back. Yeah. Be like Steve's great. I, I could I'm constantly being promoted. And when I was working in corporate, uh, I think, I think I had about nine promotions over about nine years. If, if you go on my LinkedIn, just the two organizations I last worked for, I was constantly just being moved into different positions. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me that I had to overcome when I first started a business 18 months plus ago, early last year, uh, I had a business kind of going before I left my corporate job, but that, that the first few months, maybe even six months of, of having a business, that was, that was a big hurdle for me to overcome. That was, that was a, that was a real growth period for me. It's, it's I, you know, I love, I love it. The fact that it did it. absolutely love it. But yeah, that, that's a big thing for me. Is that, that understanding of a hundred percent responsibility and what that means when you're an entrepreneur compared to having a hundred percent responsibility when you're working for somebody yeah. else. Yeah, that's that's a. I think that responsibility is something that's so huge. I before this podcast, I was doing a solo episode of like the mindsets that successful people have, and one of them was that they always want to be the problem, like they want to take the blame. Because if you don't, most of the time, and I think you probably see this in your clients too, is the problems that we deal with today. If we don't face them today, we're going to continue to deal with them years from now. So we yes. have to take responsible responsibility of them today, or we're going to continue getting the same lesson and never learning it. And I think yep. that that's a really big part of it. And after being in retail for 10 years and growing, growing into it in the management and then making a bold move, jumping to Canada and really noticing that you had to change your environment, what was the moment that shifted in your mindset to actually just finally make that shift and, and go into to business altogether? It was a slow, slow growth period. I think it's, it's, it's like a, yeah, it's a slow burning fire. Yeah. It, it started, you know, my back end of my twenties when I was partying, sort of living for the weekend, falling into that kind of hedonistic, you know, treadmill that a lot of people fall into, you know, and I think it's in your twenties, it's quite easy to do because you're, you're out, you're going to nightclubs, you're drinking, you're, you know, dating the girls, you're, you're, you're doing the stuff and, and you think that's what life's all about. And then sometimes you don't really have those role models to show you any different because I mean, to be fair, most of the, most of the people around me, their parents all just worked for different organizations their whole lives. And a lot of the people around me were just doing the same thing. It was like, go to work, save money, buy a house, you know, work in a cubicle. And, and I think I was the back end or the first generation. I feel like, uh, like I'm, I'm in my early forties. So I felt like we were the first people and I might be wrong when I say this, but we started to realize, hold on a second. We just can't get a job and have all the things that our parents had. 
Yeah. It just, it didn't, we're like, this isn't, I'm working, but I don't have a house and two cars. What, what, why is this? What, 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 hold on a second. What's, you know, what's going on? What's going on here? And I, I think that that's, that really stood out for me. The other thing, the, 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 the slow burner for, for me, when I, when I, wanted to get away from the party scene. I was living in England at the time. That's where I went to university and I stayed. And I had an opportunity to move to Canada. And it was like 09 um, sort of time period. And I I did it because I thought, hey, at least one year in Canada will just get me away from everything and I can use it as as an opportunity to see stuff grow. But when I got to Canada, I realized I wanted to stay in Vancouver because it's, it's, I mean, come on, it's Vancouver. It's a beautiful city. But from there... I think Vancouver has a, there's a, it's like an, it's got a, it's, it's Canadian, but it has kind of an LA vibe to it that there's a lot of success here. There is a lot of money here. Like when I lived in England in the, in the towns in England, yeah, there was rich people, but you've, I think you see it more here. I think it's, it's very more prevalent here. It's a very beautiful city. Uh, you know, a lot of, yeah. It's visible. Like that's how yeah, you it's tangible. Yeah, you, you're you're literally rubbing shoulders with like you know. There's a lot of movies being shot here. There's there's a lot of big things happening here. And I, I moved out to the Olympics was here that year, so it was like everything. Stuff. Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, Winter Olympics in 2010. It was it was such such a fun month. And uh, you know to actually say you've been to an Olympic, like been in the city during the Olympics, it's pretty cool. I like it. World Cup's coming here soon as well to Vancouver in a couple of, in four years time. So that's going to be uh, freaking awesome. But so the slow burn going back to the question was like, when I, when I stayed in Canada, I, I kind of had this like, no more. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go back to the party and I want to try to be better. And I ended up getting a visa to stay. There was a couple of years of real struggle of working. Like I think I was working for like 1495 an hour, which is like 31 K Canadian, which is like 25 K USD, yeah. you know, in one of the most expensive cities in the world. I was, I was on the poverty line for a couple of years, no credit cards, no support from friends or family. Like living in a house with six other people, and it was like a crack house, and it really, it it in, in a poor part of Vancouver, if you could describe to any part of Vancouver, poor, and it really taught me a lot of lessons about how to manage my money, how to manage my time, how to be effective, like stuff that I maybe ignored in my twenties because I had credit cards, I had no okay K job, I had support from parents if I ever got into trouble, but I removed all that for a couple of years, and it really taught me a lot of lessons. And then when I had the opportunity to to change jobs when I got my visa. And I was actually able to go and work somewhere else. I ended up, because I'd worked in my retail management my whole life, I ended up just looking for the most expensive high-end stores in Vancouver. And I started working for really high-end luxury sales because I thought, hey, I already know retail. I already know this job, but where can I go and get paid more money? Yeah. Um, you know, and I and I think I, I, I was, I mean, it was, I went straight from like earning 30K to nearly 100K in, in the space of like a year or so because I just went into those sales environments, commission sales environments, selling high end suits to the rich and famous of the world of Vancouver. Yeah. And, um, but while, while I did that shift, there was this idea about, well, I'm going to try to climb this corporate world because I didn't really know a lot about the internet at that time. We're talking, 2010, 12, 13. I don't think the internet was, it was there, but the, it wasn't as, I don't think it was as, it still wasn't as accessible yeah. as it is now. Uh, and I was still very much in the old mindset of find jobs, climb ladder, get big money. Yeah. And, and I fell into that, 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 that was my, that was my um, goal for a good four or five years. And I read, I started reading a ton of leadership books. 
and leadership led me to personal development and then personal development led me to reading about more business stuff and then the next thing you know i'm i'm deciding that I, I don't want to work in retail anymore. And then I, I, I switch over to insurance thinking, hey, I'll go to this thing. And, th and then I became a project manager, did all the project management stuff. And then I, I just kept going up all the whole time. I just felt this like voice or this feeling there's more, there's more responsibility. There's more that I can do. And then finally, when the pandemic hit, Twitter blew up for me and I just took, I, I, I placed the bet on myself. So it, it, that's a very long answer to your question. But it was a slow burn. It wasn't like I, I decided when I moved to Canada, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to become a business owner. It was literally, I, I started on a personal development journey that was around leadership, trying to climb a corporate ladder. And then as I learned all this personal development, marketing, business, uh, self-improvement, self-help stuff, a lot of it was written by business coaches who are business owners. And you're getting these ideas and you're like, I think I could do this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm so I love that answer because you, you hit so many points that I wanted to touch on. One being that kind of the recognition that it isn't one day that everything's changes. Like it's a it's an evolution of growth and expansion yeah. that you that you have to go through. And I think that noticing that it has to start in the personal aspect of things. And you may notice this in, in or live by this with your clients as well is that your professional development will never exceed your personal development. So if mm -hmm. you're not if you're not at a point where you don't truly believe that you're you can do such thing, then you're going to avoid the 20 percent that's going to have the most impact. And I know that yeah. leadership was a big role, obviously, being in retail management and growing and expanding and seeing that corporate ladder as kind of like that next step and then coming yes. to the awareness that you can have something outside of it. Like that was the same thing for me when I read. I think it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was like, yeah. wait, I don't have to like like I have to I don't have to do an hourly wage like I can. I can live like I can do what I want when I want with who I want whenever I want. And it was like such a mind-boggling kind of experience for me, and it just led me down a path of like personal development and, and business growth and everything in that realm. What was there a leadership book or a few that really had a massive impact on you that kind of went that pushed you down the rabbit hole? Yeah, it, the the book that really it's not a leadership book, but I actually funny story. I bought it thinking it was a leadership book. But it yeah. was actually a self-help book. It was Robin Sharma's book, The Leader Who Had No Title. Ooh. I was walking through a bookstore and it, I think it had just been released or it was on sale or it came out in paperback or something. And they had uh, the bookstore in Canada and they're called Chapters. And uh, they had a big table display off it as I walked into their main store in Vancouver. And I walked by it and I was just getting into that job where I was getting into that retail job. And I started start, starting it uh, from leaving my a crap $14.95 an hour job in Vancouver. I got into this sort of luxury sales job and I was like, hey, I'm going to pick up a bunch of leadership books. And I picked up that book and I picked it up pretty much the weekend that I started that job, I think. But I, it, it took me six months to actually get around to reading it because I wasn't a great reader yeah. uh, back then. So it was like, it was a shelf help rather than self-help. It was on my shelf. And I, I ended up picking it up and reading it thinking, oh, it's a leadership book, let's go. And it actually, it wasn't Robin Sharma, as probably everybody is aware of, is, is one of the sort of like the the, the self-help gurus who, who I actually got a lot of time for. I think his stuff's pretty good. Um, he doesn't do a lot of the sort of like the the, the guru sales kind of stuff with his email list. He's, he's it's just pretty much sort of like a straightforward kind of like I'm here to help you kind of guy, uh, which I like about him. Um, and, and I read, I, I got into his books, but I read that book and that, that was a massive 
a massive book for me, uh, huge in, in a sense. Um, really helped me with, you know, meditation, journaling, having the structure, having goals, like having this sort of like future version of yourself that you're moving towards. That, that was a really big impact on me. Um, when it comes to actual leadership books, you know, anything back then by Simon Sinek and, and Dan Pink, uh, I, I devoured their books. I devoured their their, their online content. Uh, I got into behavioral economics as well. Um, you know, the thinking fast and slow and, and nudging and, and all this kind of stuff. I was, And then I, I read a lot of sales books. But leadership-wise, you know, if I was to... Yeah, it's the Dan Pink, Daniel Pink and, and Simon Sinek books that, that really helped form ideas that I think I already had in me as a leader because I'm very much a, um, I'm very much as a leadership. I've always been like, it's about the people like, and I, this is kind of funny, but as a leader, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing a lot of work. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true though. <laughs> I shouldn't be doing the work. I should be training my staff to give them the capabilities. So they can do the work at a high level and they can they can progress and grow. But I'm there for the staff. And I think a lot of leaders think that they're the star. Mm -hmm. um, no, you're the guide. You're le and as, as a coach now, I'm yeah. the guide. I'm the guy. I'm not the hero of my journey. I'm not the hero of my Twitter page. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm a guide trying to help people get to the next level. If I was the hero, people wouldn't want to work with me because like I'm, a, I'm the, you know, it's it's like, so I'm, I'm, I'm very much like that, that that's, that's been my sort of leadership style. Or, or, and then on my coaching style is like my goal is to. A side note: that's one of the reasons why I'm probably not really big into the sort of the uh, low dollar growth kind of play, like, growth things because I I like working with people where like eighty or ninety percent of the people I work with actually get a result. Yes. Where I feel like if you sell a PDF, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with selling PDF. I'm not listen do you do you but there's yeah. just something about me there's something in this i, I, I want to see the results i want to work with people and i i love i love leadership i i, I genuinely read a lot tons of books i've got a bookshelf over there and it's pretty much mainly leadership books and you know like kind of like business development strategy books and stuff and everything and, and project management getting the project management but i, I love working with people I, I genuinely have this like buzz yeah you know wanting to work with people one-on-one -on -one. so that that's been my single sort of like narrow focus when it comes to my business is I want to work with people. That is like, so I, what is success defined for me? Success is defined. I want to work with people. I want to help people be successful. Um, maybe that will look at move into a group cohort or something larger as I, as I progress. But at the moment, I, I love working one-on-one -on -one with all my clients. I am, we are a lot alike in that way because I love, like I say it, and I've said this probably a couple of times on this podcast is that after a coaching call, I get this thing and my clients, we've kind of like had this, this running joke that it's called like coaching crack after a coaching yep. call, you get so much energy. It's, it's not comparable <laughs> to anything else in the world. You don't need coffee. It's like working one-on-one -on -one and seeing that result and helping someone work through their blind spots in life and business is like one of the most rewarding things in the world. And I never want to detach from that. Just like yeah. you said, it's like you do, it's not that you're working overly like to the point where you can't work anymore but you're the overseer you're the guide and like the brand script journey with with donald miller that helped me really change a different perspective oh, on my being as, as someone that is like rather than seeing yourself as the hero no your client is the hero and you're the guide yeah. to help them fulfill their journey i'm curious for you what's a commonly held belief that people live by maybe it's your clients before they start working with you or just in general that you've seen whether it's on twitter or in your life that you just completely disagree with 
Oh, I mean, um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I'm going to think about that for a second. A commonly held belief. Um, uh, for me, optimization is, is, is a pile of, pile of crap. Um, Elon Musk optimizes. You see him bolt optimizes. Yeah. We don't optimize. We, we sort our shit out first. We, yeah. we get our goals, we get, we get our why, we get our vision, we sort our performance out, we get our direction. There, there, there are a thousand things for people to do before you optimize. And I, it, it winds me up a little bit when I see a lot of optimization guys, and most of them are your age or a little bit older, talking yeah. to people like, yeah. we're gonna op- optimize your day. No, get, the, yeah. get, it, get out, get, get your coat, get out. Yeah. I, 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 I'm just, I'm not, not a huge fan of people like, to coming at productivity. I'm not a, I don't just see myself as a productivity coach. I, I, I try to call myself a self-performance coach. Yeah. Um, I try to call, you know, I'm you know, a doctor of dumb shits. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of my idea of like, I try to end there removing the, the, the crap from your, from our, my clients' lives to help them get clear on their on success and stuff and what they want, actually what they want out of life. But the optimization trap, I, I, I see so much of it. I see so many threads about it. I see so much people talking about it. Uh, I think far too many people listen to Andrew Huberman and then like, you know, post the stuff out. It's like, they're, like they, they understand the concepts and I'm like, you know, you, it's optimization is, is, is you need it and you need to optimize your workflow. You need to optimize things you need to simplify. You need, you need, you do need to at a certain point, Absolutely. but it's not where you, it's not where you start. It's, it's not, it's not the first step. It, it's like the, if there were, if it was a five step journey, it would be for me. It'd be step five. Yeah. What and and I'm I'm in full like support of that too because if you're not if you're not if you don't have clarity, then what are you optimizing? Like what are you yeah. optimizing for? What are you optimizing I, for? It, it, exactly. And I, I talk about this with some of my clients. I've said it before to people. It's like you you can't polish a turd, mm. and you know you 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 can you can <laughs> quite vulgar, but you know you can't make shit look good. I mean, you can shine it up. You can cover it in glitter, but it's still shit. So we need to go and actually remove the shit. And then once the shit's gone, then we optimize. Um, and I think a lot of the times where people fall in the trap and I've had clients do this, and this is why actually a handful of clients have worked with me is they, they, when you go online and you search about how to be more productive or how to run your day, it's mm-hmm. very much driven about optimization, time blocking, pump a door technique, you know, have your schedule done, your colorful calendar. And then people don't actually do the the engine work, go and fix their engine. They then layer on top all this BS and then it might work for a week or so. They might get some results and like, oh yeah, I time blocked and I did the pompadour technique and then I batched everything in one day and, and I got results. But then it just sort of like peters out because it's like the energy and the motivation goes. And that's because they didn't actually fix their, their, their why, their vision, what they're doing, what the success look like. A lot of times as well, people pull goals and figures, like their, their, their targets out of thin air. Mm-hmm. They're just like, hey, I want to do a million this year. Yeah. Where's the data to support that? Uh, so it's, it's yeah, no, I'll, I'll stop I, there. <laughs> I, I agree so, so much. It's it's crazy. We I think we focus, and this is, comes down to like, I think for Twitter example, is like the platitudes of like, uh, the, the optimization, 10 search engines that'll help you optimize your work schedule or whatever it comes down. Like it's yeah. just, it's subtle things, but if you're not, I think we focus too much on the how instead of the why. Yes. Like, well, how am I going to get there? Well, let's focus on why we're going to, we want to go there to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that's the why is just like a huge part of it. 
the why and defining success and having rules for me, th th those are big things. Having your performance rules, your success rules, defining success, you know, there, I, I use this analogy quite a lot, but we, we have this target and then we want to build bridges, bridges towards that target. But when you don't have a target, you can build bridges off into all these different directions. And the next thing you know, you're on islands. You didn't even want to go and visit. Might be a nice, pretty island for somebody else, but for you, it's not the right island. Um, and I think that, that that's a that that's the major problem. Again, we go back to say to what's a common theme of a lot of my clients. Yeah, that's another common theme is the the lack of of clarity of of their what a success look like, and not just in their business, mental, emotionally, physically, with the family, you know, internally, externally. Like, what is what is what are you expanding into? Yeah. What are you expanding into? And when you ask that question to a lot of people, they freeze because they don't have that clarity of like, well, what am I, where am I going? Yeah. You know, uh, and I think that, that that's a huge part of it. Like they say 95% of people don't have goals written down. Every day. Now, we're, we're in a space on, on air quotes again, money Twitter, where that, that percentage is probably 80% of people don't have their goals written. Now, we're, we're, we're in a unique position where probably a higher percentage of people are actually in that mindset. Yeah. But I, I, I like I've worked with coming up on probably t close to 20 clients, whether that's one-on-one -on -one or in cohorts yeah. in the last uh, 18 months. And I don't... I would say it's about it's about ninety percent of them actually haven't you know some of them did have some clarity, but obviously it could be tweaked. Even my clarity can be tweaked because we're always growing, we're always progressing. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a Jedi Knight and have everything figured out. That that would just be uh, you know disingenuous of me. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it is a big thing, and I, I think it's a step that I think because we're so smart, a lot of people are quite smart, and they're 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 you know they're they're, they're going places and they're yeah. very 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 cerebral. Right in there, a lot of people are right in their head that they actually forget about the, the fundamentals or the basics of actually clarifying this. Um, because if you don't clarify it, as I said, you can build bridges for years to places you didn't want to go. I'm in, I mean, I love every every aspect of that. I think there's there's two sides to look at it. Like you you have to obviously start before you're ready, but you also have to ha be clear on why you're starting, why you want to go towards that that destination. I think, like you said, it's like oh, I want to hit a million a year. It's like why is are you are you defining your success as someone else's success and you're just adapting it because you think it'd be nice or is that actually what you want because i think identifying your definition of success is one of the most powerful things you can do yeah. because then you're actually i think that a lot of the lack of intention that we have is that we feel that we're going towards a success that we think we want but deep down our subconscious knows it's not what we want and so we avoid it and we when we and we put it off and we and we put it off till another day is is there principles or is there a strategy that you have that you work with your clients through that kind of really solidify self-performance so that after they're done working with you like they can sustain that long term i think that's something yeah I yeah i mean I, I i have a lot of tools exercises and stuff i mean it's not just it's not just one yeah it's it's, it's, it's a it's a variety of things i mean there are some general ideas but i i think for me it's it's getting that clarity removing the dumb shit and focusing on wins it's it's momentum it's it's clarity momentum clarity momentum removal clarity momentum it's just this like this this loop um I, of that and there's lots of exercises to go in go, go in that uh, a big thing for me i think is is you know this idea of having a future self is 10x it's a 10x version that you want to go to but for me 10x and this is maybe another sort of contrarian view 10x for me is not 
quantitative. It's qualitative. It's 10x your standards, mm-hmm. 10x your mental abilities, emotional abilities, physical abilities, 10x how you show up in your life. And I think a lot of people get 10x wrong because they went and read Grant Cardone's book. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, there's some good stuff in there about like being relentless and working harder. There is some decent stuff in there, but all, majority of that book is is is. Uh, I'll not because Grant Cardone's a very wealthy person uh, and very successful, so I don't want to say anything. But I, I just don't, I don't agree with a lot of what that book says when it comes to 10x. There are there are some there is some gold in there. Uh, it's a it's a motivational book. It's like if you if you want to. Oh, listen to a book that's going to give you like a, a shot in the arm to maybe jazz you up for a few few days or a few weeks while you're listening to it. Yeah, sure enough. But it, it, it's the concepts of 10x that he's like, work harder. No, uh, 10x is simplifying. Uh, it's it's about uh, quantity. No, I'm sorry. No, it's about less quantity and higher quality. So instead of doing four threads a week that are, mm, you're doing one thread a week on Twitter that is just banging. So that, and that, that's the ten, and that's a ten x leap. Um, but the, the reason why I bring that up is a lot of clients they have these like big figures or these big goals, mm-hmm. and then a lot of people are just on in general when you ask them what their goals are, and some of them have these goals, and they're either way too small or they're massive. Like, oh yeah, I want to do five million in the next three years, and you're like, well, what are you doing right now? Well, I haven't started my business yet, but my goal is to make five million dollars in the next three years, and you're kind of like. That's based on just, as you said, just there about that sort of like, um, it's, 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 it's just based on this idea. It's not like based on why it's not based on data. It's not based on where you're going. And I've made that mistake, uh, in my life recently, you know, in the last two years, um, I've made that mistake and it's, it's, it's definitely something that, that I've realized that quite, um, it's, not hit me quite hard, but like it's a, this sort of idea at the start of the year when you when you turn the calendar year, like you know what I think I'm going to go for this amount of money this year. Yeah, and you don't really think about well, what did I do last year, and if I 10x that number, what does that actually look like? Because that's actually more likely what you're going to do, and also you're more likely going to do 3x and 5x of what you did last year. But you set the 10x goal as a stretch target, but it's based on data. But very very few people base their goals personal goals like that now there are some business owners out there that will base their goals financially on that because they have the data but when yeah. you get into their personal lives it just kind of becomes a blur but anyway it's, i went off on a thought tree in there so yeah no i i and i like you're hitting every point that i, I wanted to hit on this podcast because when it comes to and i did read 10x and i, I think the same thing when you when you read when you read the book, it's a good book to read when you're at the gym, not something to like actually take. Back to the <laughs> yeah, it is a good gym book. <laughs> Grant Grant Cardone yelling in your ear. <laughs> One more rep. Let's go. It's, yeah. it's like it's like another David Goggins, but in a business aspect of things. Yeah, yeah, no, it's right. Yeah, but, yeah it's it, it kind of yeah, but no, yeah, no, yeah, totally. I've never actually listened to Goggins on a pod um, book. Of, I mean, I've, this book's uh, what's it called yeah. again? It's very good. Um, I can't hurt me. Can't hurt me. Yeah, good. yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm not. The, the, I had the audiobook of Grand Cardone 10X, and he was like his his gravelly like southern voice just yelling at you yeah. in your ear. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's a. I think that the principles in the book are, are coming from a good place. Like setting. Yeah. There's there's a point of it that is like set a goal ten times bigger than you want to set a goal because even if you don't reach that, you're going to reach higher than what your your original goal set. So I think that's, the principles that's are a great, great concept. 
that, that, then that, that's the concept that I'm leading. Exactly. Yeah, that, that is probably the best concept out of the book is to set a goal, but then 10 exit and then ask yourself, how could I actually make that goal? But and let, let me tell you a story, but can I tell you the story of what the mistake I made? Please. So I, I five X my business this year compared to last year. Uh, but at the turn of this year, at the start of this year, I actually made up a number and then I 10 X that number. And that number was with the, 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 the number was 250 K that I wanted to do this year, which I'm going to fall short off, uh, just to be uh, transparent, uh, by a bit, <laughs> uh, but I then 10 X that, and it was 2.5 million, but it wasn't based on data. It was just like, it just sounded nice. Mm-hmm. It just sounded nice. And when I actually go back, when I actually halfway through the year, I actually went back and started like, um, doing the math. And I was like, holy shit, I shouldn't actually be aiming for 250 K this year. That's not a reasonable goal based on my, my data. So I actually did my numbers and compared to what I did last year, this year, I'm going to five X or seven X. Cause I've got a client, oh, obviously I've got a month left. My actual business that I did last year, cause I only started my business last year. So only, I only worked like three, three or four clients and my prices have gone up since, since I started working. So mm-hmm. when I redid my numbers, like in April or, or, or June, May, when I actually got a bit deeper into the concept, reading some Dan Sullivan stuff, some Dr. Benjamin Hardy stuff. And I realized after reading the Grand Cadone book, I was like, well, I've got this 10X thing, this, this 10X thing wrong. Yeah. Um, that based on data, I'm actually having a really good year. Uh, if I actually look at my data, I, you know, based on my actual numbers and based mm-hmm. on actual growth, based on actual reality. And I think that's something that, that, that really stands out. It's like a lot of these concepts you read in books and someone says, set this massive goal, these big, you know, they used to call them uh, BHAGs, big, yeah. very audacious goals. But everything should be based upon your past six months or a year. Like if they talk about stocks, you know, uh, uh, past results uh, don't equal future results, but can be a good predictor. Right. But if you're saying that you're going to go from zero business to 5 million in, in 18 months or, 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 or three years, now, I'm not saying it's not impossible. People have done that. But those are unicorns. Yeah. In my opinion, you just don't start a business and then, you know, five years later from never, never being an entrepreneur before three years that have never been an entrepreneur. You know, we, we, we talked about another creator we both like before jumping on here, uh, Dan Coe, yep. who's been at it for three or four years. And he's coming up at 700K this year. And he's talked about how he's going to go for a million or plus next year, which I, I read and very, I hope he does it. And, you know, a brilliant, brilliant guy, lovely guy to speak to. Uh, but he's been at it for three or four years. And now he's getting to that million dollar a year solopreneur business where a lot of us want to go to with our, with our businesses. So you can actually see within his journey and he talks about it. It's like, it's like a five, six, seven year cycle to get to that point. And I think uh, a lot of people, again, we talk about this idea, you hear people talking about the overnight success. Well, the overnight successes are usually 10 years long. You know, so, so, it's, true. Yeah. so true. There's a point, and I don't remember, I want to say it was probably Robin Sharma, to be completely honest, but there was a book that I read and there was a point in it was that success isn't a, de- success isn't a destination, but it's a process. Yeah. So it's like, not like there's not going to be a day where like you get to a million in a year. You, it, again, it's a, it's a, it's a process of getting there. And I think yeah. that the, when we set big goals compared to other people, again, it comes down to that definition of success. Then it becomes like, it's almost insurmountable. We see it as such a broad thing instead of like reaching like what would be actually maybe practical for next year. How can we set a little bit higher than that based off last year? 
right? Yeah. Like, so it's, it's a lot easier to have more motivation, that drive to continue when your goals make sense. So yeah. I'm curious for you, whether it's within your life or for your clients, when you feel maybe it's overwhelmed or you feel unfocused, what is something that you do? Is there a practice? Is there a keystone habit that, that really makes uh, you more efi- efficient and increases your self-performance that you just go back to? Yeah, my, my, my keystone habit, the one rule, the one habit that rules them all, the domi- the big domino each day it, yeah. it, is, is meditation, sitting on the sofa for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, 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 that is, if I do that, which I didn't get to do this morning because I got up and jumped <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but it, 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 when I'm feeling stressed out, I can tell you that it's because I, I, I'm not meditating regularly in the morning. The second keystone habit that I have is going for long walks in the afternoon. Now, there are people who love the walks in the morning. I'm not a walk in the morning kind of guy. I've thought about it, but I like getting to work. Uh, But I can tell you uh, my life is significantly better if I'm regularly going for an hour walk um, in the afternoon. When you hit that like two, three o'clock dip and you want to go for a nap, that's my sign to leave the house to go for a walk. That's the one. I, I, if you, um, I'm I, like I said, I'm mainly on Instagram, but I post probably every single day. As you know, Dan Co. Like he talks about like walking a lot, and yes. um, that's the thing I find very common. If you, I know you're on Twitter mainly, but my Instagram, I post probably at least once a day or like a couple days a week of going a walk. It's like it's like what I want to be known for because it's something that I found so much value in, not only for creative, um, like thinking, but just problem solving. I find that you're able to. In that in that gap where you feel like that afternoon slump, instead of like going back to what you're used to and being comfortable taking a nap or just ending the day, let's go on a walk and let's see where we can find the yeah. the solution to the problem. Couldn't agree more. It, it, it is that is. Sorry, I was just looking for my dog. Uh, looking around because that I used to go for dog walks. Yeah, but he stops so often that he stops. The, he actually stops the train of thought. Yeah. So I, I tend to listen to an audio book now when I'm with the dog walk. And then when I go on a single uh, self walk, I'm either, I sometimes I listen to an audio book. Sometimes I just listen to music. Sometimes I don't, it just depends what mood I'm in. Um, but yeah, the, the, the walking is just, it's, I first heard about it from the Stoics. The Stoics is one of the Stoic practices is, is to go for a walk. Um, I have to say that I, I got into it, then I stopped it. And then I, I, I was very stop start with it, but this year in particular, uh, over the last sort of maybe twelve months, yeah. if not a bit more, ever ever since really becoming a business owner and not having to be stuck in an office, it, it it's it's become a big thing. When I used to work in an office, I always used to go for a walk on my lunch hour, just around mm-hmm. the building. I used to where a lot of my colleagues would drive to the local mall to get lunch. I yeah. would walk over and then walk but you know, the, the ten minute walk there and the ten minute walk back because I I'm like I need that, 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 that space. So it's been a big yeah. part of my journey, but I, I had like, honestly, I, after COVID, I, I got up to about 190 in weight and I was struggling to get back down to the 175, 180, where, where I, I like to be and where I've been since I was in my, you know, in, in my twenties and I struggled with it and I was going back to soccer and I was like, is that the gym? What is it? I was like, you know, calorie. I was like, I, I was looking at my diet and stuff and i wasn't able just to do my normal f- stuff mm-hmm. uh, anymore and then all of a sudden i committed to walking an hour a day and the weight just it 
it is one of the, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off because this is just, I'm so passionate about walking. You probably tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I didn't realize had such a massive impact on my life, but growing up, I, I struggled sleeping. It was like my oh, just overactive brain couldn't, couldn't make it stop. And I live in upstate New York. So it was, it was snow, it was whatever, but yeah. only thing that would like give me any kind of like, I guess, mental clarity was I'd go on a walk. It'd be snowing at three in the morning. And I'd literally go on a walk to my school and just walk around the track for, for an hour just to get out of my head because it was the yeah. only way I found clarity in what I was doing. And it's been such a massive, massive habit for me. It's definitely my keystone. Is there any, because I want, I kind of want to get back to self self-performance and everything. Cause it's such yeah. a, something that's so powerful. Are there any three practical tips, I guess I would ask that you would give my audience to increase, whether they're, they're just in uh, entrepreneurship, they're a business owner, they want to get into it to begin with. What are three practical tips to increase their self-performance? Uh, on a daily basis, monthly basis, what, what are you looking for just in, in say, general? I'd say daily, but but in general also. Okay, uh, have two journals. One journal is for your emotional junk um, and your goals, your ideas, your yeah. thoughts. The other journal is for your business and your business only. Yeah. Uh, because you don't want to mix those up because I, you want to run your business like a sales manager. You want to run your business as if it's like when you're, when you're looking at your business on a weekly basis, you're, you're thinking about it without the emotion mm -hmm. you're thinking about it strategically and you're asking strategic questions. Then in your life, you want to have your emotional journal and you should be journaling every day. Uh, I've been a bit bad the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm just honest like that when I'm talking, <laughs> uh, but I, I have filled, I'm going to slowly just, Move over here. I, I have filled two of these big uh, moleskin journals yep. this year um, for my emotional stuff. Um, yep. And I've, yeah, it's, it's, it's a norm. Like we go back four or five years ago. I, I, I would take me even, even like two, three years ago. It, I, I wouldn't even fill a moleskin journal in a year. It would be like two years. I would, I, and I just, and I, I my life, yep. the more I journaled, the, and the more I got tactical with my journal, the 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 the, the fat, that 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 like hockey stick of my life of like taking bigger decisions and making risks and actually having those feedback loops loops yeah. in, in your life to improve, uh, massive impact, massive impact. So that that that's my number one thing is journaling. We've talked about walks. We've talked about meditation. I I think on a daily basis, no more than three things a day. And, and I've had some conversations with some of the productivity guys. I'm air quoting again, where they're like, mm -hmm. "Well, I can get seven things done a day." No, you can't. You only get three things, three big things done a, a, a day. The other things are small and they're not seven things. I, I get 50 things done a day, but there's only like, this is kind of counterintuitive what I just said there, but I don't count responding to an email as a thing. I don't count doing my email as a thing. I don't count that. I don't count shallow negative zero value work, low dollar work as things. They are just things that happen. They happen in between the deep work. Yeah. Three segments of deep work a day at about an hour long. Um, even if it's just one a day at about 90 minutes, life-changing. Uh, and I do, I, I do that before first thing in the morning. So um, th th those are like my keystone go habits. And again, you know, just general from what we talked about in the podcast. Yeah. Be clear on what you want. Like, define success. Define what you're doing uh, and writing. I mean, for me... If I, if I was to describe my journey right now, I have ignored improving my writing skills. Um, I have focused a lot on self-help and coaching books this year mm -hmm. um, to expand my thinking around self-sabotage, upper limit issues, yeah. you know, 
uh, future self, like really understanding 10x as a as a, as a qualitative uh, process to help me with my clients, but also to help me. But the last sort of month or so, I've been really focused, and into into the new year, I'm I'm this quarter or the next two or three months, I'm really focused on digital writing. And there's one thing that I will say to anybody right now: I should have done that a year ago. Uh, it's one of my. It's not. A, I don't have regrets, but it's kind of one of my strategic ideas that I kind of felt like I'll just learn by doing. Yeah. I, I have probably done things. I have a habit of doing things the hard way, you know, getting punched in the face before you learn the lesson. That's, oh, like, that's kind of my, uh, my uh, operating system. Yeah. So for me, if you're a new entrepreneur and, or you want to become an entrepreneur, don't think about entrepreneurship. Think about having good structure, having your, having your why and having your, 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 your success defined for you and lean into digital writing, learn how to write, uh, online digitally. It, 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 you can't be the coach that you want to be the freelancer. You want to be the, the web designer you want to be the, whatever, insert any type of job you want to be without being able to communicate the people online. Uh, if you're great on video, go to YouTube. Um, but digital writing, Twitter, Medium, LinkedIn, learn that shit, uh, and, and, and get good at it. I, I'm not bad at it because obviously I've got 67,000 followers on Twitter, so I'm, I'm okay at it, <laughs> but yeah, maybe I'm, I'm being a bit hard on myself, yeah. but I want to be great at it. You know, I just yeah. don't want to be okay at it. I want to be good at it. And, and I haven't put any real deliberate practice into it, you know, really learning structure. So I'm that, that, that is, those would be my tips to anybody starting out. Don't, don't make my mistake of, of like, yeah, that, that, I think that's my mistake. I focus so much on like, I want to be a coach. So I focus on becoming a better coach. Yeah. I've, I focus on expanding into my freedoms of, of, of time, freedom of purpose, freedom of relationship. You know, I, I focus on getting better and that's when I help my clients, they have these bigger insights, but not to repeat myself, I've neglected the the ability to attract clients depends on how you can actually talk to them online with your writing. So it's, it, it, it's, that's the, that's the rub. <laughs> I can really, really, really resonate with that position as well. A lot of my like growth has been, I think again, your personal development will, or your professional development will never exceed your personal development, but in the same sense, you have to really develop professionally to be able to, grow professionally like you have to develop the skills you have to do the, the activities and that comes down to again your self-performance has to come down to doing the important things day to day like are you, are you focusing on the shallow work the 50 things that don't really matter or are you focusing on the two things that are going to have the massive impact on your growth and i and i love that you said having multiple journals it's, it's funny enough that last week i was on a client call and my client was showing me he had four journals. He has four journals. He's a he's a music artist. He has one for emotions. He has one for business. He has one for songs. Like you have to separate, or your mind's just going to get so in in so many like circles that like it's not going to know what to do. It's not going to be able to really compartmentalize what's going on in your life. It's actually a trick that I picked up from behavioral economics. Yeah, I actually use different pens as well for each journal. So I, I have a more of a scribbly pen for mm -hmm. my emotional journal, and I have a bit more of a finer pen. Yeah. or my business journal so it's a little bit more of a you know slower write. it's a little of a cleaner and it's a mindset shift it's because yeah. i'm when I'm emotional stuff i'm like sometimes i just scribble and i draw and i'm like aggressive yeah in there and then with my business it's a little bit more thoughtful and that's sort of nudging off like training your brain 
that you're you're doing this thing right now you're focusing on this thing and you use these little cues to help you do that and, and i do the same with music there are certain playlists that i only listen to when i'm working yeah and that's i do never listen to certain playlists that i have built on spotify i do not listen to them for pleasure i listen to them when i'm working because i've designed those playlists for my brain to be like we're in work mode yep yeah and and, and, and that's the, and that's what i do with the journals and you, there's so many you can go into so many different areas of your life to to do that uh, i i've i've done it with like thought about it with, I, I mean i'm a bit lazy with this this one but when i was working from home initially um i had a problem where i would just get up and be in my pajamas for hours so i got into the habit of like even though i'm wearing tracksuit sort of like sports gear yeah. going and actually getting changed and having a shower and actually it's like i was going to work then to come back to my to say to myself i'm working now because it's it's like a I, I i'm using this sort of like morning routine because when you work from home and you're a business owner it's very easy to go to your computer and the next thing you know four hours have passed and you're like oh my god i'm still in my pajamas this yeah. is terrible like well, what <laughs> this is <laughs> uh so that was a big thing for me which I know I do. I, I, I do that quite easily now, but that was a, again, a behavioral nudge for me to say, Hey, I'm starting my day. This is what I'm doing. I'm putting on my, uh, uh on my entrepreneur clothes, yeah. is, you know, Nike, uh, or expensive Lululemon type, you know, uh, uh, uh workout t-shirts that are comfortable to sit around in all day. Cause I like to be comfortable. Um, but yeah, it's just little things like that. I mean, in so many areas of your life that you can, um, you can do. Uh, to nudge yourself into getting your mindset ready for self-performance, you know, to help you actually, uh, some people call them runways to like mm -hmm. get you to success to like, you know, I, I, I know how to runway into deep work. I know how to, I know the steps, like I'm going to do these steps. That's going to get me the deep work. You know, if I want to get back into working later in the afternoon, you know, maybe put my blue light, blue light blocking glasses on, put a playlist on, get a pint of water, sit down at my computer, only have one tab open telling my brain this is work time yeah. so it's these, these little triggers that you do so it's it's yeah there's a lot you can do with that i think the the most important part of everything that you just said right there is it comes back to kind of what we've talked about this whole podcast is we have to simplify like it's the it's the simple things that it's the simple shifts that make all of the massive change and whether it's our business growth our personal growth it, it's it's really astounding what we can do when we simplify what we have to do and we just do the work we yeah. stop some shit and we just act right like it's it really is that big uh, of, of a change and I, just to, to finish this off i have one last question is how has failure or say apparent failure set you up for success do you have say a uh, a favorite failure of yours that kind of propelled you into where you are today um that's a good question i don't think i, I could pick up one failure that really stands out i think life is mostly failure mm -hmm. uh, that's just the way it is but not everything that we do is going to provide the massive results that we think they will i mean like meditating one day on a wet tuesday morning isn't going to make you a guru <laughs> you know so it's it's about the sort of slow and steady consistency um for me i think the failure that i would point to or the, the one thing that gives me the most fuel yeah, it's probably the, the, the my 20s is that sort of like that low level consciousness of like not really understanding the game that I was in, mm -hmm. not really understanding the world. Um, 
you know, I, 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 I that that was the mistake that I made, and, and I kind of lived for the weekend. So that 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 fuel, that's a, that's just not one mistake. Yeah, that's a that's a sort of a cultural in the matrix kind of thing. Absolutely. You know, and it, that 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 mistake will probably live with me for the rest of my life. And one thing I will say, if anybody listening to this has those kind of mistakes or that long term mistakes in their life, yeah. don't set goals based on a regret from that because those are negative gap goals because you're chasing something you're cha- you're trying to catch up you're trying to chase you're trying to like make up for something those goals while they might motivate you and get you to a certain level they will not they're not built on proper foundations that will actually take you to where you want to go um yeah that's just something because I, I i experienced that. that actually that there we go there's the failure i'll go for that's- there there's there's the one there you know talking about it is a lot of my goals when I first started setting goals yeah. were based on over like re- covering over the mistakes that I made. And if you ever read a book by Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan called Gap in the Game, I already knew it. Oh, yeah. yeah, these were gap goals. They were goals that were set from regret. They were goals that were set from me wanting to prove people wrong. They were goals set for me wanting to like get status in my life to like have more material goods to catch up with people. And when I got all those things, got the six figure job, got you know the the, the life sort of I got the got the, the the girl, got the got the big job, got the corner office and stuff, they were hollow because they weren't really goals that were based like from what I wanted. They were goals set by the sort of weird gap thinking. And and if anybody doesn't understand the gap in the game, the, the gap is when you set goals or the gap is when you measure yourself to where you want to be rather than measuring yourself from where you've come from. And the gain is always looking at where you've come from and then using that energy to take you to where you want to go based on what, what you've done, like using that sort of positive flip, you know, being in the gain about things, seeing things as a positive. And I, I realized, you know, I've known that concept for probably 2013, 14, 15. I heard Dan Sullivan talking about it, but when I read the book, about a year or two ago, um, that was a big shift for me because I mean I realized that I had set a lot of goals based on the wrong emotional foundations, mm-hmm. and uh, that 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 is huge because you shouldn't be achieving goals and then having a dip of feeling sad afterwards. And that happened to me a couple of times because the goals weren't. It, there was like I didn't have this big big future version of myself. Like I. I had said to myself, when this happens, I'll be happy. And that's gap thinking. Yeah. You know, and, and you should be happy right now. Being in the game is happy right now. Being in the game is, is being grateful right now for everything that you've got. Uh, yeah, you're gonna, you want to get bigger things in your life. You want to expand into more money, more time, more freedom. 100%. We all do. Better relationships. But you're, you've already got a lot of those freedoms already today. And I think a lot of people are blinded to that. And then they, they, they chase more without understanding what they already have. And, and that's that I think that's a trap that I definitely fell into with my goals because a lot of my goals were based on the regrets that I had for effing around for 10 years. <laughs> I'm so I'm so blessed that you brought that up because that's one of my favorite, I, I guess you could say, just ways to look at life. And something that Benjamin Hardy says, it's one of my favorite quotes, is that happiness becomes a burden when you have to go out and get it. If yes. You're going to- if you're trying to go get happiness, if you're trying to go get success, it's never going to be fulfilling. And I think that's yeah, probably part of the reason that you. Oh, I, I, I could go all day about Benjamin Hardy. Benjamin Hardy, it's books. Yeah. His, his books and his his mindset towards things really puts a different perspective to have. He's, he's, he's elite. 
he he's he's relentless. He is relentless. And, and I think when it comes to like same for for you, like a lot of the the reason that we don't achieve the goals we want to achieve is because we're setting goals that really aren't aligned with what we want deep down. And so we set the the goals to fill a void when we're going to avoid the things that we we really don't want deep yeah. down. And uh, I just want to say I'm, I'm I'm genuinely grateful to have you on this podcast. I think there's a lot of value that a lot of people could take from this episode. And if they're trying to find you, where can they find you, Stephen? Yeah, you can you can find me on Twitter at, at Steve Timoney. That's at S T E V E T I M O N E Y. That that's my name is S T E P H E N Stephen, but uh, I got at Steve Timoney for my on Twitter. And then I have I have my website, which is actually my full. Sunday name, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-T-I-M-O-N-E-Y, stephentimony.com. That's where I hang out the most. I'm also on LinkedIn uh, under Stephen Timony, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-T-I-M-O-N-E-Y on LinkedIn. Uh, I have stopped posting and opening. I've deleted Instagram and TikTok from my phone recently, but I'm at Steve Timony on both of those as well. But I don't currently post on those because when I was doing a dumb shit list recently, <laughs> TikTok and Instagram were at the top of that list. So... <laughs> Uh, I'm focusing very much on Twitter and then I, I'm, I'm slowly bringing myself around to growing on, on, on LinkedIn. And then obviously I have a podcast as well that you can see on my website. And that podcast is called the SPS podcast, which is the self-performance strategies podcast where I mostly talk about things as just a, a single guy talk, not, not, you know, one, uh, uh, host talking about stuff, but yeah. I usually do a deep dive once a month with a large creator uh, on Twitter, usually people who've got over 100,000 followers, and I speak to them about their businesses and stuff on that. But most of the podcast is just me passing on advice and, and thoughts around self-performance. And I, I want to harp on that because my part, my podcast started off as solo episodes. It was like 100 episodes straight of solo. And I, I was like, it was the barrier to entry. I, I made it as a habit. And I think there's a lot of value you can find from diving deep into our brains especially when it doesn't have to always be an interview style. So that's definitely a great podcast to listen to. Um, again, I'm grateful to have you on the podcast and we'll be talking soon. Thank Thanks, you. man. Appreciate it.